Welcome to Accessible Art History, the podcast, the best place for art history lovers or anyone that is curious. My name is Annalisa, and I'm going to be sharing an amazing archaeological discovery with you today. Just a quick reminder before the episode starts, all sources and images will be posted on the Accessible Art History blog. You can find the link in the episode description as well as on Instagram at accessible.art.history. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get started. This week, I'm going to discuss a site that has greatly expanded our knowledge of the Inca civilization. Machu Picchu is located in southern Peru, high in the Andes Mountains. It sits 7,970 feet or 2,430 meters above sea level on a mountain ridge. Sadly, it was only occupied for about a century from roughly 1420 to 1535 because of the Spanish conquest of South America. For nearly 400 years, it sapped empty and overgrown, nature claiming the stones and terraces. But in the early 20th century, American explorer Hiram Bingham III became the first Westerner to set foot on the once magnificent city. His work and the works of successive generations of archaeologists have taught us so much about the Inca culture. So to learn more, keep on listening. And thanks to friend of the podcast, Kayla, for sponsoring this episode. To kick things off, let's talk about the site itself. As I just mentioned, Machu Picchu is an Incan site located in the Andes Mountains. The most recent analysis, as of 2021, led archaeologists and historians to believe that it was built as a palace complex for the Emperor Pachacuti, who ruled from 1438 to 1472. He was a great conqueror and expanded the empire a ton during his reign. In fact, he was the ruler that also built the Incan capital of Cusco, which serves as a historical capital of Peru today. The actual political capital is Lima. Machu Picchu is divided roughly into two halves, an upper and lower section. The upper section was reserved for urban activities, while the lower section functioned as an agricultural hub. Because the site was built in the mountains, the city uses a set of wide terraces. Stairs were built to facilitate access to the different levels, though there was a lot of class division within the city. Machu Picchu was built using a technique called ashlar. This is where stones were polished into regular shapes and then fitted together without the use of joints or mortar. The Incas were masters of this technique and we can see it used throughout the empire. Machu Picchu was connected to the rest of the Inca empire through a series of elaborate roads. In fact, there is even archaeological evidence for this as non-local artifacts like obsidian crafts have been found during digs in the city. Fascinatingly, people can still walk these roads in pilgrimage to the site. So who were the people that built Machu Picchu? The Inca ruled over the largest pre-Columbian empire in the Americas. They called it Tawan Sitsuyo, or the Land of Four Corners, and it spanned, at its largest, Peru, western Ecuador, the western and southern parts of Bolivia, northwest Argentina, a large portion of Chile, and the southernmost tip of Colombia. Fascinatingly, they did this without use of the wheel, draft animals, iron, currency, or a writing system. To help keep things organized, the empire was divided into four sections called Suyu that all converged on the capital of Cusco. The emperor ruled over all of them as a divine monarch. The Inca Empire ruled over the area from around the 12th century CE with pastoral tribes and ended in 1572 with the surrender of the last city, Vilacambaba, to the Spanish conquerors. Although they didn't have a written language, archaeologists and historians have been able to piece together information from recorded oral records, sites like Machu Picchu, and artifacts. Today, Peru still maintains a deep connection with its Incan past. For example, Quechuan, the language of the Incas, is still widely spoken. In fact, about a quarter of Peruvians still speak the language fluently. All right, now that we've established some background information, let's take a quick break. mealtime 
mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, my name is Annalisa and I'm the founder of Accessible Art History. My goal is to bring art history content to anyone that is curious. All my platforms can be accessed for free, but there are ways that you can support the cause. If you enjoy this episode, please consider leaving a rate and review on your favorite platform. I also have a Patreon and a Buy Me A Coffee account set up if you feel inclined to support Accessible Art History monetarily. However, I will always work to bring content for free because I believe that education should be accessible for those who want and need it. Thank you for listening, and now let's get back to the episode. All right, now that we're back, let's dive into the first Western exposition to Machu Picchu. Hiram Bingham III was not a trained archaeologist, but he was an academic. He received his degrees in history and politics from both Yale and UC Berkeley, and he taught some of the first courses in Latin American history in the United States. While he was working as a lecturer in the subject, he encountered passages about a place called Machu Picchu. In 1908, he attended the first Pan-American Scientific Conference held in Santiago, Chile. Bingham traveled through Peru on his way home, and he wrote his first book on the experience. It was called Across South America, an account of the journey from Buenos Aires to Lima by way of Potosi, with notes on Brazil, Argentina, Bolivia, Chile, and Peru. This trip inspired Bingham, and he organized an expedition to find the, quote, lost city of the Incas. Please note that the city wasn't really lost, it was just abandoned. People in the area did know about it, but it was lost to Western perspective. On July 24, 1911, a local farmer named Melacor Artiga led Bingham and his crew to Machu Picchu. It was clear that they had a lot of work to do to excavate and learn from the site. So he organized further expeditions in 1912, 1914, and 1915 with the support of both Yale and the National Geographic Society. Bingham recorded his findings over the decades, and in 1948, he wrote his bestseller, The Lost City of the Incas. However, he wrote in this book that Machu Picchu was once a major religious site for the Inca people, but as we've discussed earlier, archaeologists have now proven that it was a town and palace complex for the emperor. In 2012, Yale University began repatriating objects taken by Bingham to the Peruvian government. The university has an estimated 40,000 objects, including human remains, in their collection. The two entities are working together to preserve the artifacts and remains and get them back to their rightful home. And one fun final fact, Hiram Bingham was actually one of the inspirations for our favorite legendary archaeologist, Indiana Jones. Over the last century or so, archaeologists have identified three major sites within Machu Picchu. The first is the Temple of the Sun. In the Inca religion, the sun god was named Inti, and he was a patron deity of the empire. In fact, the Argentinian flag used today still uses Inti's image. Pachacuti, the emperor that built Machu Picchu, greatly expanded the cult of Inti, so it's no surprise that there was a large temple built on the site to worship him. The temple was built using a natural cave as a foundation, and it's the only circular-shaped building in the city. Not only did the temple serve as a place for worship and offerings to the sun god, but it also had a mausoleum and astronomical observatory. There are some that believe that the emperor was buried there at one point, and at sunrise on the summer solstice, the two windows cast shadows onto the central rock within the temple. Another important part of Machu Picchu, Intihuantana Stone. 
It is a ritual stone built to point directly at the sun on the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year. There are some that call this stone the hitching post of the sun because it was possibly used to, quote, anchor the sun in the eyes of the Incas. Due to its position and use, it was also likely used as an astronomical calendar. The Room of the Three Windows is another sacred space within Machu Picchu. Each of the windows represents a different aspect of the world, the underground, Uka Pacha, the heaven, Hanan Pacha, and the present, Ka Pacha. It represents how the sun rises from the mountains up into the top of the sky and then back down. And this just goes to show us how truly important the sun was to the Inca people. In 1987, Machu Picchu was declared a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Today, it is Peru's most visited tourist destination, with around 1 million visitors each year. This truly opened our eyes to the wonders of the Inca civilization. And make sure to tune in next week when I discuss the Altamira Cave. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Accessible Art History, the podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at accessible.art.history and keep an eye out for the next episode. They drop every Monday on your favorite podcast platform. If you prefer to listen on YouTube, episodes will start being uploaded in a few weeks, so subscribe there too.